0: Spent everything, and 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 there you are, just kind of frustrated with life. You know, Simon was there one time. He was exhausted. Simon was frustrated. He was unsure of his future. He was trying to keep a family business going. It wasn't very easy because the fish seemed to have disappeared, and Andrew, his brother. Who was his business partner. He kept disappearing as well. He was out running and chasing after this crazy preacher. That was down by Jordan River. And he kept running off to him. And here he is. Simon trying to keep things afloat. His, he doesn't know how to you know what the what's gonna come the next day. He's he's got bills to pay, he has a new wife that's at home. He's trying to he's trying to bring home the bacon for her, he's he's trying to provide, and, and here she is, she's beautiful, she's kind, but he knows she's frustrated because he doesn't seem to be carrying his weight. He's worried about how he's going to make it much longer. He's worried about what's going to take place, and on top of all of that, his mother is sick. She's been sick for days and, and weeks, and he's he's trying to care for her. He's thankful that he has a wife that's uh, able to to be there with her while he's he's out and he's he's trying to make ends meet. And it's though he's he's at a place where it's as though everything is falling apart. I'm sure Simon didn't understand it all. I'm sure he didn't understand why uh, why things were happening this way, but sometimes such is life. You know, another night of fishing, turned up with empty nets. He's making his way back to shore, and there he is again, the anxiety beginning to set in about his current life circumstances, and... He began to voice his frustration to his brother that day. And he was always one to speak his mind. He was never one to hold things in. He was just going to let his brother know about all these things that are happening. And and his frustration with his current situation. He was going to let everyone around him know exactly what he was thinking and how he felt. This time, as he voiced his frustration, there was a man... That was along the shore. And this man as, as Simon Peter began to come closer to, to shore. This man called out to him and he said hey. Go back out just a little bit deeper and cast your nets again. And Simon. Being the fisherman. And being one who would always speak his mind. Calls out to him. Why would I do that? I've been out there all night. I've toiled all the night and I've come in and you can see I have nothing. I've been trying this for weeks on end and I have come up empty time and time and time again. Anybody ever been there in your life where it's like you're just trying and you just keep on coming up empty? You just keep on, the frustration is starting to mount because it's as if you keep trying and trying in life and you're not really getting anywhere. That's where Simon was at. And, and somebody comes along and he says, hey, try it this way. Why don't you go back out and I want you to just cast your nets in. And and now, now Andrew, his brother, recognized the man all of a sudden. He says, hey. I think this is the one that I was telling you about tonight when we were out there on the sea. You remember, you know, I've been going and, and listening to this man, John, who's been preaching. And, and he's been telling us about this his cousin. He's been telling us about the Savior that was to come. And, and he just came by recently. And, J- and John pointed to him and said, this is the one that you're to follow. Stop following after me for he is the one that's going to take away the sins of the world. I'm pretty sure that's the guy. How about we listen to what he has to say? And so Peter listening to his brother and and saying and, and saying, Alright, let's go, they they begin to just go out just a little bit further into the Sea of Galilee and they do cast their nets off to the side of the boat. Now this isn't where the fish would come. This is never where they could catch any fish, but they cast their nets nevertheless because Jesus had told them to cast the nets. And so they go and they cast their nets and it wasn't long after that they began to see the water start to dance a little bit. They began to see the swarms of fishes as they made their way into the nets that were there that were cast into the water. There were so many fish, in fact, that it began to rock the boat back and forth. And the the boat even began to tip. And it tells us that the boat nearly sank because of the weight of the fishes that were in that net. And it was in that moment that Simon Peter realized how rude. And how dismissive he had been toward Jesus when he had told him to go cast out into the deep and let down your nets. So looking back toward that shore, he noticed uh, with uh, both relief and somewhat with a little bit of shame to find that Jesus was still standing there on the shore. And so Simon Leapt out of that boat and he made his way to the shore as fast as he could, and he came to where Jesus was standing, and it bowed down at the feet of Jesus, and he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. His determination to always do things his own way and to never allow others to tell him what to do, it always caused it almost caused him to miss out on the miracle that he needed so badly that day. This was the answer to prayer. This was the thing that he almost missed out because he was so self-consumed about doing things his way. About living life his way. But Jesus hadn't just come to perform a simple miracle on that day. Jesus had come to ask Simon Peter to leave the nets behind for good and to follow him. And he told Simon that day and his brother Andrew who was there with him. He said to them, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now they both accepted the invitation. But little did they know what all their journey was about to entail. See, Simon and Andrew were the first two disciples of Jesus. These were the first two people that Jesus came and began or, and asked to follow Him and to leave behind their life and, and to, to instead uh, uh, live their life uh, as as nomads, going around and and listening to His teaching and and being there with Him as they would go. And it, they were not the last of His disciples. He, Jesus continued to add to the ranks. There were others. In fact, even that day. Jesus just went just a little further down the Sea of Galilee and he found James and John, two more brothers, both of them fishermen as well. And he called them, he says, I want you to come and to follow me. I would like for you to join with Peter, Simon Peter and with Andrew and I want you to be my disciples. We see others, a tax collector. His name was Matthew and here he was, I'm mean, a tax collector, a complete outcast from society. Why? Because he was despised by the Jews for saddling up to the Roman oppressors and the Roman occupiers who were there. And and so, but Jesus, he looked beyond the occupation of Matthew and he saw somebody who had potential. He saw somebody in his life who was about to have a life transformed. There were men like, Simon the Zealot. Simon had grown up uh, for some period of time, had had spent years in combative training with the intention of causing riots in the streets and going, and their whole idea was to overthrow the Romans by force, and, and that was what Simon the Zealot had trained for, and, and yet Jesus came bringing a message of peace, and he brought Simon, and he says, I see the life that you've been living, but I want to present to you a new life. There were others. We don't know all of the occupations of the disciples, but we see Thaddeus and Thomas and a young man named Judas. And we see these disciples, 12 of them, who would eventually come to follow Jesus. And all of them had a past. That past wasn't one that was to be much desired. Every one of them had a, a past that uh was was of a, a rap sheet of things that they should not have done. In fact, these were not the cleaned up, polished, ready-made disciples who had their lives together, but each and every one of them was a piece of work. They all began just like Simon Peter who readily admitted to Jesus on that day when he almost refused to cast that net into the water and he fell at Jesus's feet and he says, "Here I am, a sinful man." depart from me. You know, I wonder today, is there anyone who can relate to where the disciples were at? Is there anyone who is like me, who, who you look back over your life or maybe it's even where you're at right now when you struggle with anger, struggled with addiction, you struggled with anxiety or pride. Maybe it was. It's hatred that, that you harbor in your, in your life and, and you, you can't seem to shake it. Maybe there's that bitterness about the situation, that person and what they did to you or perhaps it's you seeking after revenge and you, you know that, that it's, it's harming your life, but you just can't help it. And, and revenge is what you're just trying to get or perhaps it's simply selfishness. And it's living your life for yourself and not caring about those who are around you. Maybe you're consumed by lust or maybe it's about using others to get ahead. It's your life. It's not perfect. It's far from it. But that's where the disciples were at as well. That's where Simon was. That's where Andrew was. That's where all of them who would come to follow Jesus, that's where they were at. In fact, that's where I was at one point. That's where I still am today in some areas. Still needing Him to come and to to bring me to a place where I have been set free from everything. So that He can come and give me a new life. We can live a new life life. Is there anybody in here who still carries the weight of your past around? Your life to this point has been rocky at best. Sometimes it feels unbearable. Sometimes perhaps you have experienced those mental breakdowns where it's just you crying or uh, crying yourself to sleep or maybe it's just kind of holding up and saying I just need to be by myself for a while. And you've tried everything, uh, anything and everything to give you a release from the heaviness of your past and the heaviness of everything and just trying to live life your own way and figuring it out your own way. In fact, you've gone uh, to to try to get fixes for this and it's, you found... Temporary fixes at best. That's you. I have good news for you today. And that's that Jesus came to redeem your past. Nothing you've done scares him off. (laughs) Nothing you've done disqualifies you from following Jesus. Even if you have tried him before and then turned your back on him, he's not mad at you for walking away. Well, I just want to tell somebody today that Jesus is okay with your failures. He's okay with your brokenness. He's okay with your sinfulness. Now, He loves you too much to leave you that way. But He's okay that that's where you're at right now. He's okay that that's what your past says about you. He's okay that that's where you're at. But He's calling you today to follow Him. And it's a new beginning that He's presenting to you right now. It's a new path. It's a new way. In fact, it's a brand new life. This new life in Jesus Christ is a fresh start. And I just want to talk about that here this morning. About this new life. See, you'll never be able to experience freedom from your pain and the release of that weight that you've been carrying around like you can when you begin this new life that is in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, uh, we read that Jesus Died for everyone. Can somebody say everyone? Yeah, that includes you. Jesus died for everyone, and he died so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. One, well, you got to catch this. It says that Jesus died for everyone. But what is left unsaid here is that he came back to life. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. In other words, he conquered Satan. He conquered the curse of sin that is upon us all. He conquered that when he died, but then he rose again. And that's the reason that he died for everyone. Because everyone is cursed with a sin problem. And that's why God doesn't care about your past. It doesn't matter to him how big your sins are. Or how small your sins are. It doesn't matter if you have a rap sheet a mile long. Or if you've lived your life. Come on, we're trying to do your very best every day. You still needed him to die for you. So that your sins could be forgiven. But he died so that those who receive his new life. Will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Verse 17 says that this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That the old life is gone and a new life has begun. What a promise. That the old life is gone, that what I was defined by with the anger and what I was defined by with my past transgressions and what I was defined by with, come on, all the old relationships that have been broken and and I've been wounded by all of that. And what I was defined by, even in myself, looking at myself as a wounded person who can hardly get up out of bed in the morning. What I was defined by in my old person, he says, you have been brought into a new life and that old life is gone and a new life has begun that jesus would offer us today a brand new lease on life that because he died and he rose again we have an opportunity to have new life now let's look again at simon peter Remember, this was a man who was exasperated by life. Nothing seemed to be going his way. He often acted out of frustration. He was this speak first kind of a guy. He often got in trouble because of that. Because he would just say whatever came to his mind. Even after answering the call to be a disciple of Jesus, Peter continued to make mistakes and to learn valuable lessons. But there was one particular failure that almost crushed peter it almost caused him to walk away for good now this was something that jesus had warned simon peter about he had told him that this was going to happen in fact he even gave him the time limit he said before that cock crows in the morning you are going to deny me three times but peter refused to believe it it happened the night that jesus was arrested The disciples and Jesus had been in the olive grove just outside of Jerusalem and they were praying that night when a garrison of soldiers approached seeking Jesus. One of his own disciples, Judas, had betrayed him and Jesus, already knowing what was about to come, gave himself willingly to those who came to arrest him. This was going to be the night that changed everything. This was going to be the night that he would suffer. This would be the night that he would pay the price for our sins. But for his disciples, they didn't quite know what all was happening right then. They didn't know what the future held. And the disciples, Peter included, it seemed as though chaos had erupted in that moment. There's just a whole bunch of soldiers that are coming in seeking Jesus. And they're, they're wondering, what, in, what is taking place here? What is happening? These soldiers led Jesus away. They brought him into a trial that very night, and crowds that were outside that place where the trial was being held, they began to cry out, "Crucify him! Crucify him!" They wanted, to, and if they wanted to crucify Jesus, what does that mean for them? What does that mean for the disciples? So fearing for his own life, Peter. He watched that trial of Jesus play out. It says that he kind of hid himself and he was watching it through an opening in the building. And, and he was there. And as he's watching this trial play out, it says that a young girl came and and she recognized G, or she recognized Peter. And she says, hey, aren't you one of the followers of Jesus? He turns to her and he says, no, you got the wrong guy. It's not me. He turns away and... He begins to, to warm himself by the fire and he's there and, and you have somebody that comes up to him there and they say, hey, I, 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 you sound just like one of those disciples of Jesus. And he says, no, it's not me. I don't know the man. I don't know who you're talking about. I, I, it's not, you know, maybe there's somebody who looks like me or sounds like me, but it's not me. And then there's a soldier, one of those who were there when they arrested Jesus that comes and they say, hey, I recognize you. You were there. In fact, you took out your sword and you cut my buddy's ear off. He says, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the man. I swear, I don't know Jesus. Jesus. Here he is denying Jesus and just then that rooster began to crow and Peter began to crumple to the ground thinking, who am I having denied Jesus? Here am I just a sinful man. I denied the one who's giving everything for me. Three times, in fact, Peter denied his connection to Jesus. You know, one might have thought that the three and a half years that he had spent at Jesus' side would have been enough to prepare him for that moment, but Peter crumbled. And when the rooster crowed, it told him, just as Jesus had uh, had told him before, that, uh, that he... Was a man who would crumble in that moment and this, the shame began to, to fill his emotions and, and here he was. He began to just, just, uh, take these, these steps away from who he thought he was in this new life that he thought that, uh, he was about to live as a disciple of Jesus. And he began to run back to the life that he used to live. You know, how could he ever recover from Not being there for Jesus when he needed him the most. Here he was watching that trial through a small opening. And he was there and he should have been the one that was inside the courtroom speaking up for the innocence of Jesus. Now Jesus is being whipped and beaten and and he would soon be carrying his cross and be nailed to that cross and left to die. And here he is, Peter, being the one who failed Jesus how does he end up how does he end up here in fact it seems as though this is the perfect time to just walk away it seems as though this is the perfect time to just give up on that life that he, that new life that he thought that he could experience he had found so much healing he had found himself so uh, you know doing so much better when he was with Jesus but now here he was a failure Failure. Well, I've been there before. I don't know about you, but, but I've failed Jesus a, t- a time or two. I failed Jesus and, and, and it hurts sometimes when, when you come to that place and it's like, and you say, why, why would I do that? I, I don't know why I would make that decision. I don't know why I would do that. But here's the greatest thing about Jesus is that He forgives. He forgives. See... What Jesus was accomplishing at the very moment that Peter was in this place of, of, of shame and of sorrow about his decision. Jesus was up on the cross and he was looking down at those who crucified him that day. And he saw the, the soldiers, not just Peter who was there who had denied him, but the very soldiers that nailed him to the cross. And Jesus declared these words about those men who had hung him on that cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgiveness. Forgiveness was being extended to the very ones who would hang Jesus on the cross. In fact, forgiveness was not just extended to them that day. But forgiveness would be extended as far as the east is from the west. And every sin that had ever been committed by anybody here on earth. When they would come under the blood of Jesus, they could have their sins forgiven. Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price for our sins and he said, you are forgiven. See, Jesus even looked down from the cross and looking at those and He says, I want these to be forgiven. I want even those who are putting me through the suffering and the pain to be forgiven. See, forgiveness was extended on that day. And here's the greatest thing about the cross is that you today don't have to live under the shame and the guilt of your past. You don't have to live under the shame and the guilt of your mistakes, but you can be forgiven today. And Jesus wants to forgive you. And he wants to do it today for you to have an experience of what true forgiveness is all about. He doesn't forgive like I forgive. Well, Josh, he doesn't forgive like you forgive. we forgive, but yet it's still in the back of our mind, knowing what you did. But no, he says, I cast it into the sea. I forget completely. Come on, I don't know what you've done. Come on, the things that you've committed in your past, it's gone. It's forgiven. It's wiped clean. Your slate is wiped clean in my eyes. I don't know the things that came before. When you asked for forgiveness, I forgave completely. See, Peter here. Peter is in a place where he is trying to do his best to live for Jesus but he has just failed him and so because he failed him he goes back to living the life that he had always lived. He goes and he's he's, he's separating himself from the disciples in fact when the scripture begins to talk about the disciples uh following uh following the death of Jesus it says that they were all gathered together but it excludes Peter from that. Peter says, I don't belong with them anymore. I don't know if you've ever been there before in your life where you feel like you don't belong, like you've done too many things to be forgiven. But I want you to know that you haven't done too much. And when you separate yourself, Jesus is still reaching for you. And he's saying, I want you to know that I still love you and I still forgive you for what you've done. See, on that day, on that Morning, three days after Jesus had hung on that cross. It says that they went to the grave to go and to bring go on the the, the things, the spices, the herbs, the the things to go and to uh, just treat the body of Jesus well, but they didn't find the body of Jesus there. They found an empty tomb. And on that day, they met an angel who said, He is risen just as He said He would. And He is not here. In fact, I want you to know that you have new life as He is coming back to life and Jesus then sought out Peter he sought out Peter in this place where he's trying to take steps back to his old life and it tells us that Jesus went to the seaside and he found Peter there fishing again and he brought Jesus or he called him up and he says hey Peter I want you to come here I know you feel like you can't or like you, you, you failed me too much. I know that you want to just go back to your old life of how you used to live. But I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet. And he calls him up for some breakfast. And, and they're there. And he begins a conversation. He says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus, you know that I love you. I, I want to know, do you really love me? Jesus, you know that I love you. He asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And he says, all right, then I want you to know that I'm not done with you yet. Go and accomplish everything that I called you to accomplish. Get back on the train. Get back living this new life that I gave you. I want you to know that you've been forgiven for every past mistake that you've made. I want you to know that you are forgiven of every sin that you've committed. Go and feed my sheep. Go and do that. That I've called you to do. In fact you're the one. That's going to preach. The gospel message. To the thousands. You're the one. That's going to be there on the day of Pentecost. And he says Peter I need you to be a leader. I need you. To experience this new life. You can't live. This new life for yourself. Remember what it says in 2nd Corinthians. It said. When you experience this new life, it's not for you to live it for yourself. But that you would live it for Christ. And when Peter is called back into a place where Jesus is letting him know, I forgive you. I know that you love me, but if you really love me, then I need you to get back living this life for me. I don't want you living a life for yourself. I don't want you living a life where where you're going back to just doing the same old things that you uh, that you used to do. That that old life that where you were bound by sin, where you were bound by the things that that, that, that you know, held you held you back from where I, I really want to bring you to. He says, I want you to live the life that I've called you to see that resurrection that resurrected. Jesus gave Peter hope. It gave him some hope. He knew this was real. And well, there's somebody here today who you have had an experience with God. And you, you knew all the things. You, could, you can quote the Bible. You can quote scriptures back and forth. But, but there was, there's some things that have happened in your past where it struck, caught you to begin to question. Begin to question, you know, does, does, is this really for me? How does this really going to uh, going to apply to my life? I, I feel like I can't live up to it and I want you to know that you don't have to live up to it because he is the one who would come and he can help you to live up to this. He's the one who can help you to be an overcomer every day. He's the one who can forgive you every every day of your sins. He's the one who can give you a resurrected new life. See the resurrection that uh, of Jesus, it gave hope to Peter and to all those around him. They began to see all that that I thought was true is true. All that that I thought, you know, may, may be right and, and what he's telling me is true. Now I see it with my very eyes. It's been confirmed to me that Jesus, his word stands true. And if his word stands true about him being resurrected, then it stands true about me and that I can have new life. But let me tell you about the thing that truly transformed Peter into having a brand new life. It happened 10 days after Jesus ascended up into heaven. He had been sent to go into Jerusalem along with the other disciples. And they went there and they began to pray. And as they began to pray, it says that on the day of Pentecost, as they were all gathered together in one accord, it says that all of a sudden a sound began to come in. And they began to pray and they began to speak in languages that they did not know. And it says that the Spirit of God descended upon them and that they were filled with His Spirit. And I can tell you that from that day forward, the life of Peter was drastically different from the life before that time. When he had the Spirit of God on him, he had a boldness where he before ran away. And not just Peter, but every one of the disciples. Where they ran away at the uh, when Jesus was being crucified and they abandoned Jesus. Now they were out in the streets and they said, arrest me. Do whatever you want with me. Kill me. I don't care. I'm preaching the name of Jesus. They began to live a life that was completely transformed. A life that was not about themselves, but it was centered on Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit gave new life. In fact, we see the the story of Peter uh, truly come to a a full circle in Acts chapter 2. Here he is. The man who had this rap sheet a mile long. The things that he had done wrong. He is the man who walked away from Jesus. The man who had, uh, who had denied him. But now here he is standing in front of a crowd of thousands. And in this crowd he begins to tell them how Jesus gave his life for them. And what they had done. And crucifying Jesus was something that had to be done. And in them, yes, this this made them sinners. This made them uh, sinners for for having crucified Jesus. But it had to be done. It had to be accomplished. But here they are in their sin. And they said, tell us, what can we do now to be saved? What can we do to be saved from our sin? And Peter said, responds to their question. It says, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what should we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you who receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He gave them The answer to what should we do when we find ourselves in a place of sinfulness. What should we do when I want to experience new life? What should I do when, I, when I'm tired of living life my way? When I'm tired of doing things my way? What should I do when I find myself in a place where I'm wrapped up in myself and I'm full of jealousy and anger and bitterness? What should I do when I find myself... Come on, this, everything is about me. What should I do when I find myself face to face with the reality of, of uh, being able to experience new life? He says... Repent. Repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, this applied just as the gospel when Jesus experienced the death on the cross. We die to our old ways. That's what repentance is all about. The death on the cross, we experience that through repentance. The death that Jesus experienced on the cross, we today come and we, we say, God, I need your forgiveness. In fact, God, I need to live for you. I need to live, Lord, a, a new life, a, a different way. I'm tired of doing things my way. And that's the death to my old man. That place of repentance. And today, we you can do this today. You can take this step. In fact, in just a few moments, we're going to open this altar. And you can experience this right now a place of repentance, a space that will open up in this place where you can come to God and you can have hands lifted up. And it's not just praying, some sinner's prayer that uh, is, is is just some, some other words that, that somebody else would say, but just from your own heart, just begin to talk to him and say, God, yes. I need you. God, I'm tired of doing things my way. God, I'm tired of my life. Maybe you find yourself in the same place that Simon did when he was exhausted. And Jesus is calling you today and he's, he's saying, come, I, I want to present to you a new way of life. I want to present to you a life that's full of peace. The heaviness that you feel when you wake up in the morning and you feel it all throughout the day. You don't have to experience that heaviness anymore. Jesus is saying, I gave my life so that you can experience new life. That repentance is the death on the cross. But the burial, when he went into that tomb, it says that he was buried and we are buried with him in baptism. We are buried with him We go down in the waters and when we do so, our sins are forgiven. When we come back out and the name of Jesus is applied to our life, our sins are forgiven. They're buried forever. They're gone. They're they're, they're distant. They're, They're as far as the east is from the west. They are gone. He has forgiven you of your sins. But he resurrected out of that grave. And that resurrection we can experience today by receiving His Spirit in us. Just as He became a resurrected man, a new man, we can become new when we receive His Spirit today. And you do that just by lifting up your hands, begin to glorify God, and He can send His Spirit and fill you here today. He can fill you with the power of His Spirit, and He can set you on a journey of a brand New life. If our musicians could come at this time. In fact, if we could all just stand right now. This formula that Peter said, that Peter gives us this, this, uh, this response that he gives to those who are asking, What must I do to be saved? It's still the same response that I would give to you right now. Let's repent. Let's be baptized in the name of Jesus. And he will fill you with his spirit. This is the gospel message. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. And this is how we apply it to our lives today. As we come to him and say, God, I'm ready for new life. Well, he resurrected out of that grave today, and you can experience a brand new life just as Jesus came out to live a new life. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That old life. That old la- way of, of living. That old thing that was all just wrapped up about in yourself. He says. You can have a life centered on me. And it's going to be the best life that you could ever experience. The resurrection gives us hope today. The Holy Spirit gives us new life today. Repentance is that first step where we come to Him and just say, God, I'm sorry. And it's as easy as that. God, I'm sorry. God, I need you. God, I'm tired of just doing things my way. God, I want to do things your way. Lord, help me today to live a life for you. Well, God is calling somebody here right now. In fact, if you go, these altars, Or open up at this time if you want to come and experience new life. It just takes that one step that you would step forward and say, I'm going to make a commitment to live a life for you. God, I want to commit to you today, God, that I'm not going to go back to my old way of living. But, Lord, I need you. God, I want to experience a new life. God, I want to experience that break from all those things that have me bound, all those things that I carry around—the heaviness of all of that. God, I want to experience, Lord, all these weights lifted up off of me. God, help me to experience new life today. When He's here right now, He's here right now. Our musicians are going to begin to play, or these praise singers going to sing a song, and I want you just to come and, and to know that He's accepting you right now in whatever condition you're at. Whatever condition you're in, he's saying, I have a new life for you. This new life, the old life is gone. The new life has begun. Today's the day. Today is the day of salvation. Let's experience this new life together. I was a wretch. I remember